Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. The entire crew making the show happen, doing a fantastic job. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by baseball legend Pete Rose. Welcoming Pete back to the program. Pete, great to have you back, man. How are things out in Las Vegas? Getting hot. Getting hot, but we kind of expect that. Uh, so we have to bear with it. But uh, it's not real hot, but it's getting hot. You can you can tell the temperature for the city is on fire because the draft this week. There's going to be half a million people come into town for that draft. Unbelievable. Hey, we're here in Nashville. We know exactly what the NFL will bring. Uh, the NFL recently has embraced Las Vegas, and pro sports across the country are doing that. There's talk that Major League Baseball would like to move the team there. From your perspective, what has it been like for Pete Rose to notice Major League Baseball's interest in Las Vegas? Well, we got a hockey team, uh, you know, uh, we don't have a basketball yet, but uh, we have, we just built a new AAA baseball stadium. I don't I don't know if baseball would work here in Vegas, and I say that only because of what I was just talking about. July and August uh, is too hot for people to go to the game here, and if you don't have a dome stadium, and if you have a dome stadium, it's going to take three or four years to build it. So I'm not saying that they wouldn't support it, but I don't think they they would support it if. Uh, it's an outdoor stadium because it's it's too it's just too darn hot in the summertime for elderly folks to go to the game and sit out in the hot air. Pete, when you not look that they wouldn't support it, Pete, because I think they would because they 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 support the hockey team as good as anybody and uh, the college programs around here uh, they what they support them. So I'm not going to say that they support the football team. They sell out every game. So uh, who am I to say that baseball wouldn't survive here? I know AAA uh, didn't knock the socks off uh, playing here in Vegas. So I'm a little apprehensive about uh, the big leagues moving here. Yeah, and for me, it's less about a fan attendance and more about, for years, pro sports would not embrace Las Vegas. You couldn't have a team there because guys were going to be on the take and it was going to look bad for the league and everyone was going to think the game was fixed and all this. And now – it is mainstream America, sports wagering. Everywhere you go, you've got yeah. players in every yeah. sport that are endorsed by these sports books. It, it, I mean, it, it's Disney World now when you look around at, at sports yeah. gambling. Does that make you look around and think, man, what are, we, what are we doing here with baseball's view of me and what happened years ago when you well, see not, their willingness to embrace really, it now? Not really. Yeah, not really because uh, I just came along at the wrong time. Uh, and I'm not here to tell baseball what to do, but uh, as you know, baseball is all about making dollars. And uh, if they can do the gambling and make a lot of money to help pay the players, more power to them. 
I'm not here to try to tell baseball how to run its business, and I'm sure I'm not going to tell the casinos uh, how to run their business. They they seem to know what they're doing, uh, and I just so the end result. I hope everybody's happy. You saw Calvin Ridley, I'm sure, with the NFL. Um, they found uh, they've got a third-party source that monitors these uh, the betting apps. His name came up. They they saw that he was doing some of the betting that ca- his casual fans do, um, and and they circled back to him, suspended him for for one year, which um, you know, in in my eyes, seemed a little thin, and some fans' eyes seemed heavy. I'm wondering what you think of uh, of the the punishment that the NFL handed down to him. Well, we all know that the NFL uh, has been a little uh, lenient uh, toward gamblers compared to baseball, and that's because of what happened in 1919. Uh, but I don't, I don't think you and I can just, uh, talk on your show and try to run uh, a major sport like football or like baseball or like hockey or or anything else. I mean, there's always going to be problems. And, and, and I'm not here to discuss the problems that the sports are having with the gambling. You know, I can tell you there's a place to bet, Allegiant Stadium, where the Raiders play. You can you can make bets on the games at halftime at the stadium. What do you they have th- a window at the stadium where you... Go ahead. I, I, I was going to move on to the Reds. The Reds' ownership has been really outspoken about, uh, questioned about, you know, why things are going such a bad direction for the Reds. They had kind of a fire sale after the CBA agreement, and he said, "Yeah, uh, the solution yeah. would be for me to sell, and if I sold it, not that I have any buyers, they'd move it right out of town. You think uh, the Reds are, are a hopeless case, given the, 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 the agreement now between players and the league? Or could somebody make it work? No, no, I, I don't. I, I, I don't understand that. That wasn't the owner, Phil. Uh, that wasn't Mr. Castellini. That was Phil Castellini, his son. Yeah. And what he, what he said, you know, he's on a, a pregame show for opening day, and there's forty three thousand people seated at the stadium, which is a complete sellout. And he says to the people, "If you don't support the team, we'll sell the team, and you won't have a team here in, in uh, Cincinnati." which is a ridiculous thing for him to say. And yesterday was the first game they won since he made that statement. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he was trying to – you're not going to fire up the fans of Cincinnati, and you're, and you're certainly not going to fire them up getting off to a 2-12 start. You know, that's one of them cities where you want to win early to get the interest of the fans. It's just like St. Louis, and it's just like the Mets and a lot of the other teams. You know, if you don't win – Hey, I don't blame people if they don't come out. You got to put it in, and, and, and for the Reds to get rid of Winkler, to get rid of Castellanos, and to get rid of Suarez, who had 42 home runs for a shortstop, that would be three, four, and five in your lineup. How in the hell do you think you're going to score runs when you don't replace them with three, four, and five hitters? You can't lose the bulk of your offense. And expect to win, and I think the Reds are finding this. Out. They won yesterday, but they only won by four to one. They just can't score runs, and it's because they don't have offensive players. It's 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 not rocket science out here. You know, if you got a good team, and last year I think you'll agree, the Reds had one of the better offenses in baseball. And like you said, Dave, 
they made sales. Uh, they, you know, they rearranged the team, and it's not working so far. I think they're going to have a miserable year. I hope they don't. I'm a Cincinnati Red fan. I'm from Cincinnati, and uh, the Reds play on Pete Rose Way, so I'm a Cincinnati Red fan, and I, I, I just think I, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Whatever, whoever is running this team. Because Mr. Castellini is not a cheapskate. He'll pay his players. Okay? But you got to have players to pay. If you don't have good uh, players, why should you pay them good? You know, you got to earn that money. And uh, the three guys I mentioned, Suarez, Castellanos, and Winkler, uh, are all pretty good players, pretty good offensive players. That one guy hit 42 home runs as a shortstop. That's, that's pretty darn good. The best in baseball, I think, for a shortstop. So you can't get rid of those guys because they strike out sometimes. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's just amazing uh, what they do as far as... Um, let me give you some stats here. Okay? Uh, I, I, I noticed this the other day. Um, the other day, there were 56 hitters in baseball that were below 200. That means that the Major League Baseball batting average is 231 so far. That's the lowest combined Major League Baseball average in the history of the game. So there's a lot of guys not producing. I don't know if it's because of lack of spring training or what it is. The Reds, the Reds had nine runs in their last eight games. That's their lowest total for eight games since 1945. How the hell are you going to win games? <laughs> <laughs> when wow. you're the lowest offense, 1945. Baseball legend Pete Rose with us on Outkick 360. With that in mind, Pete, if you went into a clubhouse today, let's say the Reds clubhouse, and you started talking yeah. about hitting with their players, how many would understand what you're talking about? None. <laughs> no, because uh, I've been and I, and I'm not being disrespectful to them. But I don't, like if they ask me, I don't know a damn thing about launch angle and all that bullshit they talk about. You know, and I talked to Ted Williams one time, and he talked to me for 15 minutes and after he was through talking. I was so confused, I didn't know whether why my answer scratched my watch. <laughs> but I looked at him and I said, here, I said, Mr. Williams, my philosophy is see the ball and hit the ball hard somewhere. He said, well, whatever you're doing, son, it's working for you. Because let me tell you something about baseball and hitting a baseball. Okay? When, when you're talking about hitting a baseball, the more you talk about it, the more confused you seem to the people you're talking to. You ever heard that KISS method? Keep it simple, stupid. You get these guys worrying about launch angle and back foot and front foot and this and that. Hey, what you got to worry about when you're in the batter's box is the pitcher throwing the ball. Okay, I'll guarantee these guys that play today, and I'm not trying to brag about anything, but they didn't do their homework on pitchers that I did. Well, I knew what every pitcher threw, and I, I, I know when he was going to throw it, and that was the day that, you know, I used to go on a two-week road trip, and I could tell you every pitch pitcher is going to start the game in two weeks. I did my homework. And the day of the game, I knew how, how I was going to approach 
Koufax or Drysdale or Marichal or Gibson or Seaver or Carlton or Fergie or Negro. I knew how, how I was going to approach those guys. Guys, the guys hit today like they've never seen these guys before. If you've never seen a guy, you better watch that damn guy warm up. Because in the, in the, in the, in the, in a matter of 20 minutes, when he's down there warming up, he will show you what he's going to throw just by showing the catcher in the bullpen what he's throwing. If he's going to go fastball and curveball and change up, don't worry about looking for a slider or a screwball. If he throws fastball and screwball, don't worry about a curve or a slider. And I tell kids this every day. If you're going to be a good hitter and you get in that batter's box, okay, you better, if you're going to guess it, and what I mean by that is you're going to guess for a certain pitch. I was not a guess hitter. I looked for a guy's hardest pitch, and 99.9% of the times it's a fastball because you can adjust to everything else if you're looking for a fastball. If you're looking for a, a curveball against me, I'll throw my fastball by you, and I can't throw the ball on the other side of the room. <laughs> so you have to look, you have to look for a guy's hardest pitch because you can adjust to everything else. Does that sound does that sound difficult? No, no sir. But no. they make it difficult. No, and, and Pete, I, I want to. You mentioned Ted Williams. There, there's a great anecdote in Lee Montville's book uh, biography of Pete Williams or Ted Williams, excuse me, about his hitting approach and how he would argue with an umpire over balls and strikes, and he would read his yeah. resume to the umpire about how many times he walked the previous year and how he's more qualified to tell the umpire what was a strike or a ball than the umpire is based on how good his eye was. Having a good eye is not something you hear about in baseball outside of Little League anymore. Oh, this kid's got a good eye when he's up the bat. What do you think about the lack of understanding of strike zone at times from hitters in Major League Baseball not knowing ball and strike? Yeah, you got to work at knowing the strike zone. I mean, you know, like when I used to lead off, and I led off 3,500 games, okay? If I got a guy that's, that's going to walk one guy and maybe two in the game, okay, I'm not going to get up there and take a couple pitches because he's not going to walk me. Now, if you got a guy that walks six, seven, eight guys a game, then you're more patient when you're up at the bat. Those are just little stats to go into hitting a baseball. You can't, you can't approach every, every pitcher the same way because every pitcher is different. You know, I didn't, I didn't go up there worrying about taking pitches against Tom Seaver or Bob Gibson. They're not going to walk you. So why do you want to take strikes and get behind them with them? It's stupid. But now you got a guy that walks eight or nine or ten a game, then you can be, be more patient with, with him. And the first thing you know, you're hitting two and oh, three and one. And if you're hitting two and zero, three and one, nobody's going to get my ass out. Or if they get me out, I'm going to hit it hard at somebody. But it's like everything else, guys. You have to do your homework, and you have to do it during the game. Okay, you you, you can never to, know too much about hitting a baseball. Okay, you can never know too much about your opposition, and that's the way you got to approach it. Some guys I love to hit off of. Other guys I didn't want to go go to the ballpark today. They were pitching. You think it was easy to get to the ballpark to face Bob Gibson or Juan Marichal or Sandy Koufax? <laughs> it wasn't because they were they were a, uh, a lion. 
you had lions and lambs. And when I played, I, I faced 19 Hall of Famers. Those are lions. There's a lot of lambs. A lamb is a guy you know you're going to get two hits off of, and you're having a good day, you'll get three. You know, I got four hits in a game 73 times. I got five hits in a game 10 times. Okay, I got two hits or more in a game 1,275 times. So you've got to do your homework to know who you're facing. Okay, does that make any sense? Sure. We just saw Miguel Cabrera get his 3,000th hit. Robinson Cano is in range, but he's 39, maybe a long shot. After that, it's going to be a long wait. How rare is 3,000 hits going to be in the future, do you think? Well, I I don't know about that because, uh, you know, I was a switch batter. I got 3,000 left-handed. And got 1,200 right-handed. I, the guys just don't play long enough. You know, and, and guys happen, and, and they have so many small injuries. Small injuries don't sound like much, but if you miss five games here and eight games a month from now here and then five games here, now all of a sudden you miss 20 games. Now you're playing the 140-game schedule. So first of all, it's hard to get 200 hits. Okay? The only thing I wish when I played the game is I wish we'd have had – 180 games instead of 162. Okay? Then I could almost guarantee me getting 200 hits with 180 games. And I got 200 hits uh, 10 times, and I got 198 twice and 192 twice. And and the, the 198 times uh, was lockouts. We had two different lockouts where I missed one year five games and one year four games. No, I think it's safe to say I'm going to get two hits in five games or four games. So, you know, I could have had 200 hits 12 times, but it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I, I approve what the, what the union did when I was with the baseball players association. It did a lot for baseball players. It, it did a lot for our retirement. Uh, it did a lot of good things for the game of baseball. I think that's why if I'm not mistaken, the owners probably hated Marvin Miller. Because he got us all together. When we went on strike back in those days, it wasn't 60% or 80%. It was, it was most everybody in the association was voting for the strike. Pete Rose, legendary baseball player, on with us. And Pete, we should be saying Hall of Famer Pete Rose. If I took a camera from our show and just walked down the street and asked, asked the random people in the street, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Nine out of ten are going to tell us yes. I, I, I would bet on that. Uh, do you think you'll live to see that well, day, Pete? And, and do you care at this point? Oh. Uh, you always care. Uh, anytime his or her sport uh, mentions a Hall of Fame, you want to go there. Okay, but I'm not going to get on your show. You guys sound like intelligent guys and complain about not being in the Hall of Fame. I'm the one that screwed up. Okay, but I've been suspended 30 years now for betting on my team to win. And I was wrong. Don't get me wrong. I was wrong. Uh, but I can't change what happened. And I'm the same guy that gave all my guts to the game of baseball. I think you guys will agree. Yes. I busted my ass eight days a week because I always played for the fans. I understood the value of the fans. What the hell is sense of going to play a baseball game if you got 5,000 people at the game? 
and you got 40,000 empty seats. Hey, you look up and say, wow, it's a great day to paint the seats. <laughs> you know, seats are for asses. Seats are for asses. That's why every game in Major League Baseball should sell out every game. I don't care how big the market is because there's, there's no markets in baseball that are too small too small to sell 40,000 tickets 81 times a year. I don't think. But you have to sell a product. You have to give them a product. You have to give them a reason why they come to the game. They don't come to the game to watch you lose. That's why I hate for teams to get off to a start right now. Because it's going to ruin them for the year. You know, you get off to a 5 and 15 or 4 and 18 start, people are going to say, I got somewhere else to spend my, my sports dollar. You know, you could ruin yourself in April. I mean, that, that's what you got to look out for. That's what I'm concerned about the Reds right now. They're three and 12. They're already five or six games behind. That's hard to make up. And, and it's the player's fault. Not the manager's fault. It's not the owner's fault. Well, it is his because he got rid of uh, a third of their offense. But if you're in the lineup, you got to do your job. If you can't do your job, let someone else do it. It's not that difficult to go to the ballpark every day and bust your ass. That's all I ask you to do as a fan. Get your uniform on, go out there for two and a half hours, bust your ass, come back the next day, do the same thing. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. Come back the next day. That's the philosophy you got to have. You know, if you lose five in a row, you can't bury your head and cry all the way home because you're going to have losing streaks. You're going to have winning streaks. You're going to have slumps. You're going to have hitting streaks. You know, you're going to have all those things. That's the name of the game, baseball. You know, I had, 20, I had uh, seven 20-game hitting streaks. In one 44-game hit streak. You know, I have I had months where I hit 400. And I had months where I hit 200. Unfortunately, the 200 months were only one a year or something like that. Listen, we play the only sport in the world where you fail seven out of ten times you go to the Hall of Fame. Think about that. What other sports... Did you fail seven out of ten times and go to the Hall of Fame? Michael Jordan could he couldn't shoot three out of ten. LeBron James can. Brett Favre couldn't complete three out of ten. That's the nature of the game of baseball. So you're going to have failure. Baseball is a game of failure. It's what you do with those three hits. Do you get him with a man on third and two outs? Okay. That's what you have to do. You got to look for guys that thrive in clutch situations. There's a lot of players playing today that do, and there's obviously a lot of players playing today that don't. And you just hope the team you root for don't have a lot of those teams on his or her team. Pete Rose with us, describing the the Charlie Hustle mantra. There, it, it's hard for me to believe, Pete, with the with the amount of sports gaming money that's in the sport now, and with the players endorsing these companies openly, Major League Baseball is letting them do it. That they don't come around on this stance uh, and the ban from from Pete Rose from baseball eventually. I, I maybe I'm naive. I think we will see it. 
Well, I appreciate that. And if it ever happens, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. Okay. But like I just said about 20 minutes ago, I got suspended in 1989. That's 33 years ago. So I'm kind of used uh, to living as a suspended baseball player. And I'm kind of used. I'm going to die. Okay. When I die, when my grandson dies, his grandpa, his grandpa is still going to be the hit king. No one's going to pass my record. Ever. Amen. You are a... I mean, that's, that's uh, me personally. You've rattled off some incredible statistics about yourself in this conversation. I think you're a pretty big sports fan. Is there another baseball player yeah. or athlete who knows his body of work as well as you know yours? Well, I think all the GOATs. I mean, uh, you know, Michael Jordan knew his game. He knew who, he knew he was in charge. Uh, Aaron Rodgers today, he knows he's in charge. Wayne Gretzky, when he played, he knows he's in charge. You know, when I played, I knew I was in charge. And I was lucky because I had other teammates that all were in the Hall of Fame. Now, I played with three Hall of Famers, four in Cincinnati. I played with two in uh, Philadelphia, and I played uh, with three in Montreal. I was always around great players. And when you're around great players, you develop a great attitude for what you're trying to do. And let me tell you guys, this is the truth. A lot of what we're talking about is attitude. Okay. I developed a positive winning attitude. You can be positive or you can be negative. You can be a winner or you can be a loser. You can't be almost pregnant. And I hung around with the Benches, the Morgans, the Frezes, the Schmitz, the Carltons, the Seavers, the, the, the Carters, the Dawsons, uh, the Reigns. That's the kind of players I hung around with. Winners. That's the kind of players you want on your team. You don't want a bunch of losers on your team. Losers can, losing is contagious. And you play so darn many games, 162, once, you, once it, gets, it becomes contagious, it just lingers and lingers and lingers. And there's not a damn thing you can do to get out of it. Pete, who exemplifies the Charlie? Am I scaring you? Am I scaring you, Am I scaring oh, no, you guys? No, no, no. We're problem. just make, making sure that you were, you were done with your rant before we spoke. It, we no, don't want to interrupt. You're, you're up. Yeah, hey, who exemplifies the Charlie Hustle mentality the most right now in Major League Baseball? Should I say nobody? And I only say this because sure. uh, I was the only one on the first on a walk. But I believe there's a lot of players today that bust their ass. But we just don't want to talk about those guys because they're a, mi- a minority. You know what? I believe this. Uh, if you want to know the truth, everybody that plays baseball in the big leagues should play like I played. Because I played the right way. I entertained the fans. What do we have if we don't have fans? Would these players like it if they came to the ballpark and there's 6,000 people at the game and you got 45,000 seats? No. I used to love to go to Dodger Stadium every freaking night. 52,450. 
The only bad thing about it, every night we got our ass kicked. Because <laughs> the Dodgers were good. <laughs> because the Dodgers were good. Then you would go from there to San Francisco, Candlestick Park, and you'd have 9,000. Night and day. And it was so cold and so windy. That was the only place in the world that I didn't like to play baseball. But I played. You had to play. Just like if it's, it's a game and it's 32 degrees, umpire says play ball, you got to play. You know, some guys, they can't play if it's too cold. They can't play if it's too hot. They can't play if it's too windy. Bring your own field. If you don't like the field we're playing on, bring your own damn field. No one said it was going to be easy. I played in some miserable conditions. You know, that's, that damn Marichal, he was the greatest. He used to, he used to sit out and stand out there on the mound, and he, and he'd hold his pitch. You're in a batter's box, and the wind was blowing so hard. He waited till you're, you're, you're in between wiping your eyes out. Then you reach up to wipe your eyes, and that some bitch to throw the ball. <laughs> he, used the, he used the wind to his advantage. He was a smart guy. And he was a great pitcher. I mean, if you, if you look at Juan Marichal, you know, and, and like I said, Gibson, Koufax, Drysdale, Seaver, Carlton, you know, all Hall of Famers, uh, Fergie Jenkins. Uh, the Marichal was one of those guys. Look at his record. You know, 22 and 4, 20 and 5. He wasn't one of those guys that were 20 and 16, you know, 19 to 17. He was always way over 500. He was a type of pitcher as a former manager you needed on your pitching staff because he was always well over 500. And he pitched complete games. You know, if, if the pitchers I faced were pitching today, they'd be, they'd be foaming at the mouth to be able to pitch eight, nine innings because they love to pitch. They didn't have no pitch counter. The only time a guy had a pitch count when I played was a guy coming back from an injury because you don't want him to re-hurt himself. But other than that, just pull up the sleeves and go get him. That's, that's the way you had to play the game. And the reason is, if you watch base, if you watch baseball today, which I think you guys do, most of the most of the runs in baseball today. Now I live in Vegas, guys, and I watch two or three games a day. Most of the runs scored in baseball today are in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. The starters go five or six. You got a closer, and the guys in what they call middle relief today. Middle relief pitchers today are guys that aren't good enough to stop, be a stopper, and they aren't good enough to start. So they have to be on the pitching staff. They're middle relief pitchers. You watch how many runs are scored in the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings today. It's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. Like what do we have over the weekend? We had one thirteen to nothing game. We had another twenty one to nothing game. What kind of games are those? What kind of major league pitching is going out there and giving up twenty one runs? Or thirteen runs or twelve runs? How can you win? You can't win. Pete Rose has been our guest on Outkick 360. Pete, thank you for the insight. Uh, thank you for the time. We know it's valuable, and uh, we'll be reaching out again. Hopefully, you'll uh, you'll 
you'll grace us with the presence. Uh, this was excellent. Thanks so much. Well, anytime. Next time you guys come up, some damn questions, will you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, and don't, don't, don't make me hey, hey, don't make me do all the talking. Hey, and you know this: the next time you're doing a card show or whatever it might be in the the mid south area of the U.S., give us a call. We'll help promote it. That's the last time you were on the show, and it, this certainly won't be the last visit with you. We hope. Yeah, well, I'm going to the Meadowlands on uh, June June fifteenth. Hey Pete, thanks so much. Appreciate you guys it. Close to the, you, you, you guys close to the Meadowlands? We are not, but we're we appreciate you so much. We're actually in Nashville. We'll fly up there. Oh, you're though. in Nashville. Yeah, yep. we'll, we'll fly oh, up you're there in though, if you want to get us there. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I was in Nashville a couple weeks ago. That's a nice town, growing town. Pete, thank you. We'll yeah, catch you up soon. I like that. All right, have a good day, guys. You thank too, you. Pete Rose, the legend. Full of stories, That's stats, uh, always great hearing his voice. And, yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Got some things to unpack You've got, yeah, uh, from that conversation. You've got Charlie Blackman endorsing <laughs> sports gaming apps. And, uh, meanwhile, Pete that can't doesn't sniff. change the rule on the wall. Well, the <laughs> uh, it, it does. It absolutely does. It because play, players it. can absolutely bet on baseball right now and get away with it easily. That's next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Oh, kick 360 rolls on our thanks to Pete Rose for joining us. Paul, you say that, you know, the, the writings on the wall for the, for the rule, the rules way outdated based on what baseball is allowing into its sport right now. I don't, I don't think it is at all. It's a cardinal sin. 1919. It almost destroyed the game. It's the people betting on their thing. I think he should probably be in the hall of fame based on what he did as a player with a big thing on his plaque about the cardinal sin he committed as a manager but I think betting on baseball as a player is far well, different than betting what on he baseball did with the, as what? a uh, betting on baseball as a, somebody involved in baseball is far different than legally betting on the game as somebody that's not involved. What, in the game. what he did compared to what the Black Sox scandal did is completely different. It's not the, the same at all. They and, threw and, a World Series. I, I, I didn't say it's the same, but you we, can't do what he did. And we and, and neither could Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. I mean, we can go through it's all this. It's not the this. same rule. It's it, not the cardinal sin. It, it is a cardinal sin because these the guys cardinal. are not in the pro, not in the baseball hall of fame either. However, every year they continue to get garner more votes because they're eligible to go in the hall. The voters have come around on guys like Barry Bonds. Uh, they're not in yet. They will be when you look at how the percentage factor has gone up every single year. If Pete Rose was eligible to go into the hall instead of being banned from baseball, he'd be in the hall of fame right now. He probably would be, but there's a reason he's not eligible. Well, and it's, it's complete it's, BS. It's so he said it. You know, he's like, "Look, I screwed up. It's on me." You know, whatever baseball decides, they decide. It's a very uh, mature way of looking at it. But the comeback is everyone has screwed up. Everyone. Gaylord Perry's in the Hall of Fame. Gaylord Perry mocks the fact that he cheated while pitching, and everybody laughs and yucks it up. Put the rules Pete in order. Pete Rose didn't cheat anyone. He bet one, on his own not, team. Well, put, put the rules in order, Paul. Anybody. Let's not bet on baseball, but let's take money from Vegas. Let's put a, let's put a team there. 
uh, players can endorse apps, and you, you think these guys well, that's aren't not the on same them? thing as betting. It is. They're, it's they're, not. Endorsing an app and Paul, betting you, on a game you're involved you have, in are not the same thing. You have become so soft and naive over the years where you actually believe players aren't betting on baseball Whether today. they are or they aren't, if you're found to be betting on baseball, you violated a major rule. They're in, if you're they're sneaking around doing it, you're still these, breaking the rule. They're not having to sneak around and do this. But again, like I, I just, what you're saying is, well, it's a cardinal sin. You just can't do it. You can't do it. I've heard this over and over, and then... When I try to ask questions about it, but it's like, well, it's a cardinal sin. You can't do it. How is betting on your own team as a manager, only on your own team, not throwing games, yeah, not doing I anything else, worse for the game? How is it worse? Than Gaylord Perry bringing foreign substances out and getting to the Hall of Fame in a big way because of that. I, I don't get to decide that. Baseball makes the rule. But why but, do we just but, allow baseball listen, to say this that. is the way but it listen, is? But They're listen, not God. But listen, this this thing about betting on his team is is the most naive thing that's been said here. Because on the day you don't bet on your team, what are you saying? You're saying they're going to lose. Is he throwing the games? Do you think that he was throwing the game as a manager? I don't know if he is or he isn't, but he allows the question to be asked. If just, you bet on your team well, every day for Paul, 162 Paul, days... That's one thing. No, 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 but no, no. But the day no, you no, don't no. bet it's on not. your team, then no, you're betting not. on them to lose. No, it's not because you would say the Cardinal sin would be betting, not betting. So, not betting on your team and betting, you would say, would be very admirable in the sport, very all high and mighty by not betting on the team when you think they're. I going don't. To lose. I just don't understand why we can't ask questions of baseball. We you treat can. them like it's God yeah. with the tablet and the Ten Commandments came down. And rule number one is don't bet on the game, even if you're betting on your own team as a manager. But by all means. Bring every type of Crisco and foreign substance out there and cheat that opposition because that's just the game. And we can go smoke cigars and drink scotch and laugh about it while I'm laughing it up in the Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, Pete Rose is sitting there saying, look, I screwed up. They can do what they want. I hope I'm in one day. Be great if I was. I just, the, the, the 1919 Black Sox, of course, awful. Those guys deserve to be banned from the game forever. It's not the same. We're making some false equivalencies. Well, why don't you look at Shoeless Joe Jackson that way? Shoeless Joe Jackson hit, what, 419 or whatever in that series that he allegedly threw. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm surprised think, you're I, not making a big exception for him. Well, he should be. there should be an exception if it's proven he didn't take money and he didn't throw games. Problem is he took money. That's my understanding of the situation. He gladly took the check well, and then didn't throw Pete, the game. Pete Rose is the greatest hitter of all time. He's the hit leader, and I don't have a problem with him as a player. As a manager, to me, he... He didn't do things the, the right way. He broke a big rule. I think there's consequence for breaking the big rule. Well, I think he's paid some consequences. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know what else. And, and I, don't, I don't think legalized gambling gets him off the hook for breaking that rule. Well, maybe, maybe time served gets him off well, for breaking that rule. Well, consider how harsh this rule is, quote unquote, where it's not just about the hall. I mean, the guy wasn't allowed in to watch a game. He was, he, was, he was just barely within the last, what, decade he was allowed back for Pete Rose Day at the Cincinnati Reds game. That was a huge issue. He's also talking about... It's a, har- it's a harsh punishment. It's BS is what it is. He's also talking about who wants to show up in front of 6,000 people and play a baseball game. And I'm thinking, that's every day. Every day. That's, that's a lot of teams every yeah. day have that. And I'm thinking, man, baseball was different in his day. If he was seriously packing in 35,000, 40,000 fans every game he was playing in, that's, that's a different era. I would take him in a contest against anybody. Michael Jordan, I bet you Michael Jordan could not off the top of his head say, I scored 30 this many times, I scored 40 this many times, 
I scored 50 this many times the way Pete Rose can tell you his stuff. Maybe not, but even like Brady, I think about the, the best of all time. He's very good at recall on that series when he's going back play-by-play. Play. He can tell you play-by-play. We, play. we had a game earlier in the year where this happened, and then we went back to it, and this happened here. The, the recall. Now, his own personal stats. more stat-driven. Like, maybe not. Yeah. By the way, I loved his line was, I was always in control. Yeah. I was in control. Michael Jordan knows he was in control. You know, he's goats, going down the, the list of those guys that yeah. you just knew they were in control. That was really good. That was a good way of putting it. Um, coming up, uh, speaking of the numbers, Miguel Cabrera's numbers. Outrageous. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll run through it compared to you know salary, hits, homer. Like the, it just it, it is crazy. When Better you see than it. you imagine. Absolutely. That, that's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Shout out Miguel Cabrera by the numbers. Outkick 360 rolls on. 3,000 hits, 1,807 RBI, 1,203 walks, 502 home runs, 39 stolen bases in 20 seasons, 17 triples, 11 all-star appearances, two MVPs, one triple crown, and he's earned $353 million over his career. Guy's an absolute stud, and he's sustained it for yeah. a long time. This yeah, is not a, a guy time. at the end, like, holding on to get his 3,000th hit. Still legit threat. Where was he whenever they walked him? He had a chance Yankees. to get his... Oh. Yankees. They, I mean, people are giving the Yankees grief. They had second and third in a game that was on the line. They walked the guy to get a force out. I mean, they played the right baseball play. They were getting booed like crazy, like they were avoiding him. They were avoiding him because that was the right baseball play at the time. Couldn't avoid that trash on the field this weekend. Uh, that's uh, terrible. <laughs> terrible. I'm not going to be like a Vols fan and say, you know, this, this, and this led to the precipitous incident where it was inevitable. It was terrible. Oh, so you're not going to be like, no, what you're not going to be like is national media and your buddies who say, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. <laughs> this, this incident at Neyland Stadium has gone so far above and beyond. Oh, my how will we ever respond? No, what I'm going to say is what the Yankees the fans did was, yeah, it was horrible ridiculous. and reprehensible, which it, I didn't hear from Vols fans who said, if they hadn't called that call against them, then they wouldn't no, have given what, cause to the fans to throw crap on the field. No, it's ridiculous that people threw it on the field. I, I said it right after, and Tennessee yeah. fans said the same. And I guarantee you not every Yankees fan is saying, this is the worst thing I've I ever seen. I go back and listen to and this atrocious. show where, where it was said, if they hadn't gotten this call wrong and done this wrong and done this wrong, then the crowd no, I, wouldn't have been in the mood to throw stuff on the field. I said it was the perfect cocktail for something bad to happen is what I said. Right. I didn't, I didn't excuse it. Uh, I didn't there, say they, no they were warranted throwing throw, it out there. I'm going to say as a Yankee fan, there's no cocktail for them to throw stuff on the field. It shouldn't have happened. It was embarrassing for me as a Yankee fan. It'll happen it was again. threatening to Guardians fans. Uh, to Guardians players, I was glad the Yankee, Yankees went out there and tried to settle it down. Under no circumstances should that happen. It'll happen again. It'll happen again in multiple places. I don't even care. 
It shouldn't happen, but it will. This is what fans the, uh, do when they get drunk and disorderly. There was a woman that this ran is onto not, the court this is, again in Minnesota. Yeah, this is not some big uh, – look, I'll be the first to say that what happened with the Yankees is not some huge headline because it happens every year in sports at different places. And it was way big of an overreaction when it was Tennessee people. Um, by the way, the, uh, did you no, see the tackle reaction. from the uh, – it was appropriate reaction? It was appropriate reaction to call Vols fans out, and it's an appropriate reaction to call Yankees fans Paul, there's out. a difference between what we're doing on the show today and what the national media was doing to Tennessee then. Absolutely. Which was horror and shock and awe and how dare they there were those red pieces throw, about it. throw this stuff on the field. You and your buddies were doing victory laps over SEC. There were think pieces written about yes. Tennessee's incident. I'm not seeing yeah. that with the Yankees. I, I'm saying immediate reaction to both. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't your, give me a bunch of rationale that the calls on the field precipitated it and it made it okay. Your reaction may be the same, but you're not the, rea- the, not reaction, the reaction from the national it. media has been very different to both. I'm going to give you the same reaction. It happened there. It's going to happen again. Probably with both places. Any mustard, Tennessee any and mustard this the time? Yankees. I'm going to give you the same reaction to both. Don't do it. I agree with that. Don't do it. That's one thing we can agree on. Uh, did you see the tackle from the security guard yes. on the protester in Minnesota? Uh, well, uh, even better. It was the way a proper they, form tackle. Even better the way they drug her off like they should have <laughs> drug off the person that tried to glue themselves to the floor. And then the people behind her were like swatting away, don't film us, don't film Take us, because her friend was filming. Take them all. There's, there she there's goes. the victory lap. Victory lap is what they feel they're getting there. But Fun show. They were getting after. We'll get after it again tomorrow on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Thanks to Pete Rose, who locks the locks and doesn't block the box.